Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Welcome everybody to Revolution. We were just talking about where a few of our congregants are. Bob is at work, got called in, Josh is at the cabin, the Min- in Wisconsin, but it is a Minnesota-Wisconsin thing, the cabin. I went to the lake yesterday, which they call the beach, which I still can't get used to being a beach at the lake, but it was like a beach, there was tons of people there, but it's at the lake, so in the south we would call it going to the lake. But I guess they call it Lake Beach. Whatever. I don't know. People, I'm sure, love my Minnesota commentary that I have at the beginning of every service. And uh, another thing I was thinking about Minnesota is during the summer when you hear the word snow, I just get angry when anybody mentions snow. Yeah, like, come on. So, anyhow, there you go. That's my opening monologue. Um, so yes, my, this is my normal Bible, which is English standard, I mean the new revised standard version, and this is the Bible (laughs) I'm using today because last week I had a bit of a hard time with the print. My eyes are getting worse, so I've got to go to the eye doctor. So today we're just using a different translation, but it's a translation I like a lot, and it's really funny because I hadn't used this Bible in forever. And when I went on, I did this thing with Soul Force, which is a social justice group that works for LGBTQ equality in uh, in the mainline churches or in all the churches. And uh, we went and we met with Joel Olstein. We went to go meet with some members of his church and stuff, but they wouldn't. They didn't want to meet with us right away, and so the only way for me to get to talk to Joel Olstein was to get into a line where he was either taking pictures or doing autographs. And I realized it took longer to do an autograph, so I just didn't have any paper. So I just opened my Bible and signed my Bible, and I was like, "Hi, Joel, I'm Jay Baker." And he's like, "Oh, Jay, I know who you are." And I was like, "Could we meet with you tomorrow?" And he's like, sure. And there it is. There's my Joel Olstein signature. They are very nice. I don't even, I think they're just naturally got the glow of God on them. Um, he's actually, I felt like, genuinely that person. Like, genuinely, the guy you see was what you see is what you get. Um, anyhow, so today. Um, we're going to be talking about a little bit about the Beatitudes and loving your enemies and kind of what that meant for the folks that, that Jesus was talking to compared to what we would think. Um, so I'm going to be in Luke chapter 6, 20. And it says, Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, God blesses you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is given to you. God blesses you who are hungry now, 
for you will be satisfied. God blesses you who weep now, for the time will come when you will laugh with joy. God blesses you who are hated and excluded and mocked and cursed because you are identified with me, the Son of Man. It's funny, not reading this translation in a while, it's so much easier to read than, than NRSV. Sometimes that's just it's like asking questions. When this happens, rejoice. Yes, leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were also treated that way by your ancestors. What sorrow awaits you who are rich, for you have your own happiness now. What sorrow awaits you who are satisfied and prosper now, for time is awful hunger is before you. What sorrow awaits you who laugh carelessly, for your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds, for the ancestors also praised false prophets. Yowzers. Um, the Beatitudes are quite interesting, and I've heard them talked about in so many different ways, and so I'm just going to put my own spin on it today. And I want to look at it, how it says, what sorrow awaits you for, her, for who are rich, for your only happiness now. But look, at it, it says, God blesses you who are poor when he starts the Beatitudes. And so it kind of goes to this positive-negative type of thing. Um, now, why was this so radical at the time? Because now I think today if someone was poor, they would be like, God oh, doesn't bless me. You know, I know I, our church is not at the top of the church game, and sometimes it doesn't feel being, like being blessed. But at this time, most would have thought that people were cursed by their gods, if you were poor or you were hungry, you know, uh, a lot of people, because they would see things like getting crops. Like if your crops came in, God was blessed you. If your crops didn't come in, God was cursing you. You know, there was a way of that they saw God in a very, uh, what is the word I want to use? Very, well, it was just a real simple way. It was very, the time, it was, they were all, products of their time, you know, 1,500 years ago and uh, when, when this was written. And so the other thing was is if, the, if you were rich or if you were, you know, you were automatically, that was how God used a sign of, those were signs of blessing. So people felt like those were signs. So Jesus was coming and he was putting the law, turning the law on its head and turning tradition on its head. And he was trying to show us that you know, the people you've thought all along were cursed are blessed. Those who thought you were all perfect and had everything together and were blessed now seem like they were cursed. You know, it, seemed, it was, a, it was a seeing things differently in the opposite way. It's so funny, I, when I first I took notes in this Bible years ago, and I wrote Wes Anderson about the sorrow foretold, what sorrow awaits the rich, for you have only happiness now. Because you always, it always seems like you've, Wes Anderson always takes people who were at one point have already passed their peak. You know, like in uh, all the movies, uh, Life Aquatic, you know, Bill Murray's character was once you know, famous underwater, you know, documentarian, documentarian, and now his his... His high point has kind of passed him, or that in the Royal Tannenbaums, they kind of have 
past their peak, you know, and you just kind of saw the, the fallout from those times. And so it's kind of like a Wes Anderson movie. But what I think this also expresses is universal suffering, is that rich or poor, there's a lot of suffering. But there's also times of great peace and blessing and things like that that could come along. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a way of looking also at universal suffering, saying that, you know, the poor may suffer now, but they won't suffer forever. But the rich may not be happy forever. Uh, the, those who are laughing will also be mourning. And it happens. That is life. If you've, any of us have faced that in life, you know, there have been times where we're poor and we felt blessed. Or we look at those times as, where we were sad and, and going through a rough time. I look at some, one of the roughest times in my life was also one of the times when I met one of my closest friends, Pete. And we always talk about the good old days when we were hanging out in New York, but it was like we were miserable, you know. But we were also having some of the most fun times of our lives. So it's funny how you see memories, you know. Um, suffering from depression, I'll, I'll see pictures and I'll go, oh, man, we were having such a good time there. And I'll remember, the, oh, man, I was kind of really depressed during that time, you know. And so I think it's an- another way to look at the Beatitudes is that You know, there's a universal, I, I mean, suffering in life. We all suffer at times. We all f- also have good times and bad times. Um, I also think about the beauty of that has come from suffering. If we think about blues, we think about poetry, we think about rock and roll, R&B, hip-hop, rap, country, folk, punk... <laughs> And the beauty that has been brought out of suffering of that type of thing and the type of, of, of uh, you know, people's pain have allowed to identify with our pain through great music, through great art, and through great things like that. So, you know, when you see, it, it's truth. It's basic truth. It's not just God's, you know, people say God's truth, and that doesn't really work because it's saying, that well, there's God's truth and there's somebody else's truth. If it's all God's truth then we see through this type of thing what, what, why there's beauty and, and suffering, why there's pain and suffering, why there's, you know, blessings in that. Uh, we see that in every day. I mean, we see this acted out in front of us in the news every day. But anyway, I just wanted to look at that and think about the first shall be last and the last shall be first. But uh, what Jesus was doing by look, taking what was usually signs of God's blessing and turning them on their heads and what was signs of God's curse. He was saying it's just not that simple to, to judge people. It's just not that simple to judge God and think because you have this, you've got this. So these people were going, what? You know, and this, what is this teacher teaching? He's, he's, he's teaching these different things. And then he goes on further to say, to take the law and put it on its head again. And, um, Luke six twenty seven, but if you're willing to listen, I say, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Pray for the happiness of those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give what you have to anyone who asks for it. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do for others as you would have them do for you. There's the golden, was that the golden rule? 
do for others as you would have them do to you. Um, but listen to this. <laughs> do to others before they can do it to you. Yes. Do it to others before they get you. Um, but this is, this is interesting. It's saying pray and bless, the, you know, pray which equals blessing those. Uh, but this is another thing that is, is new to the folks hearing it. Now, we've heard, love your enemies, do good to those who persecute you. You, you know, we've been tired of it in some ways because we've, it's been something that the Bible has talked about and do good to those who persecute you, do, you know, the golden rule. But it's not, to these folks, this was something radical because even in religion, you could destroy your enemies. As a matter of fact, if you defeated your enemies, you know, obviously God was there and God helped you defeat your own enemies, you know. And so that was another thing. It was like the power was God. God was power. You know, and now we're talking about a Christ who's going to be crucified. You know, Jesus is, is, is seeing strength through weakness. This is not something how you see God. This is a new inclusion. This is a new way of thinking. And then to say, love your enemies and accept those enemies when you said, no, aren't we supposed to defeat our enemies? And we're looking at a group of people who are living in occupied territory. So when Jesus is saying this, he's saying, love your enemies, love Rome. You know, these are real enemies. These are people who, who really could take your life in a second and take your money and take your land and take whatever they wanted. And he's saying, love your enemies. But he's also saying this to other people who've, who've had, you get different tribes, different groups of people who grew up in different tribes and different lands, and so the, the, it's why they didn't like the, the, um, the Samaritans and things like that. And he's saying, love these folks. All that history, all that disagreeing, all that time of fighting is over now. Now it's time to love those people. And so this is a, a tall order, a tall, a tall, a different way of seeing the scriptures, a different way of interpreting who God is. And I think about if we lived that way today, this is to me the hardest one, turning the other cheek. And it might be easier than if someone demands your coat, offer your shirt. You know, it's just like, oh, these are nice things and to hear, but they're not something that I think any of us really would practice or want to practice. I mean, it gets even loftier. Um, one of the things I think is when something is taken away from you, don't try to get them back. You know, I feel like I spent the first part of my life of my parents losing their ministry and then just trying to get that back for years and years and years. But what that created was a living in the past and a longing for the past, and never being able to live within the present time. So sometimes when things are taken from us, maybe we just need to learn to let it go and realize it's just things, it's just stuff. It's just a, maybe that was a good time, but now it's time to move forward in life. Because, man, I, my depression has so much to do with living in the past and not living in the present moment. So... You look at these, these are things that are very practical in the same way or very radical at the time, but they're still things that we can practically add and use in our lives. Goes on to say, <laughs> it's so funny as I used to read this as like just completely amazing good news, but now it's also I read it as like so challenging. 
goes on to say, do you think you deserve credit merely for loving those who love you? Even the sinners do that. I think a regular translation says even Gentiles do that. Um, interesting enough. And if you do good to only those who do good to you, is that so wonderful? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, what good is that? Even sinners will lend to their own kind for full return. So what does this do to, a, to our dualistic thinking of good and bad? You know, We've got to have our bad people who we don't loan to, who we don't love, who don't... You know, we, it, it takes it and turns it on its head again. And it says you can't have this good and bad because I want you to love those who you think might think are bad. And I think this is a time in our country where we're seeing people that are, seem extremely bad. And to be challenged to say, love them, don't, you know, is not an easy thing. And then to say, you know, lend to them and don't be constrained. I mean, it's just, ugh. It's tough. You know, I like the idea of good and bad. I like the idea of saying these people are over here and I'm over here. You know, I'm progressive and they're regressive. <laughs> you know, it's easy to have these, these lines in the sand. It's easy to have... You know, these categories. I like categories. It makes life much easier. Um, but this is where the work comes in. This is where Christianity becomes a, a faith, of a religion that requires action and requires sacrifice. And these are great sacrifices. It is tough to love those who don't love you. It's even tougher to love those who don't love people you love. Going back to thinking about the signature I have in my Bible of Joel Olstein, you know, one of the reasons we were sitting down and meeting with him is because we wanted the, his church to be inclusive to LGBTQ folks. But when you meet with people, if you come in hostile and you come in angry, you're not really changing anything. Matter of fact, if you come in loving and graceful, you barely change anything. But what I've learned is I have a from people like Martin Luther King Jr., which is funny, this old Bible I have here. I have I remember I went to the Civil Rights Museum and I took a picture of I got a postcard of MLK and I taped his picture in my Bible because it always been a hero to me. And uh, how he loved his enemies. Now, did he have hard time with his enemies? Did he did he joke about his enemies? Did he? Have, yes, you know he was a human being. But ultimately in the work, it was about loving your enemies and saying they're not my enemies, but their, their information is what is the enemy. They're, they're actually seeing people as victims of misinformation. That his enemies were victims of a type of thinking or a type of way of life, but they weren't the enemy. And uh, so it's tough. It was tough to go in and, and it's tough to go in and love people. 
And people don't necessarily always change just because you love them. But I'll tell you what, you have a better chance of having change or coming to a mutual understanding if you love people. And once again, you know, this is a, such a tall order as it was. It's, it's a tall order now, and it was a tall order then. It was a tall, you know, suggestion of love. It was taking love, turning it on its head. It was taking God, turning God on its head. It was taking the law, turning the law on its head. And, you know, it was a radical rethinking of everything for these folks. Goes on to say, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them, and don't be concerned if they might not repay you. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting like children of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and to those who are wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Now this is what it's saying here is, is like, oh my gosh, you know, so well, I'm supposed to love my enemies, I'm supposed to do good to those who persecute me, I'm supposed to, 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 to turn the other cheek. I'm supposed to, you know, do, treat others how I would like them to be treated. And then it says down here, but you must be compassionate just as your father's compassionate. Jesus is saying, this is how the father is. This is what God is like. What? So now it's even bigger. So this idea is saying God loves his enemies. God does good to those who persecute God those you know you're going like wait a second but I thought God was you know very dualistic and God loved these people and didn't love those people God approved by doing this and didn't approve of this but all of a sudden he's saying blessed are the poor and then what sorrow awaits the rich all of a sudden love your enemies do good to those who hate you pray for the happiness of curses you and he's saying God does the same thing so there's this great underlined message, if you step back a little bit, of a universal love, a universal acceptance, a universal grace, even to enemies. And to me, that's mind-boggling. That's good news. So it goes on even further, though. <laughs> And I'm not reading or even read all of chapter 6. I'm just reading just some of chapter 6. But it's challenging. I think the love for enemies is, is more challenging to me than the Beatitudes. Um, a lot of people find the Beatitudes to be the most challenging thing. And, and for me, I, I find this kind of love your enemies uh, thing really pushes my common sense. Um, but it's also a lot of ways what I feel like I, I've, I've, I, I sets me free from my own self-hatred, my own judgment of myself. So 37 says, Stop judging others and you will not be judged. Stop criticizing others or it will all come back on you. If you forgive others, you will be forgiven. If you give, you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full measure, pressed down, shaken together, making room for more, and running over. Whatever measure you use in giving, large or small, it will be used measures what is given back to you. Now, growing up, I remember that part was used for raising money. <laughs> but if you keep that, yeah, it still is. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Matter of fact, that's what I want to talk to you guys about. Um, about sowing a seed. But this verse is about forgiving people 
It's saying, forgive, love your enemies, do good to those who persecute you. Remember, because these weren't verses. This was, this was just a story being written down. This was someone retelling what they'd heard Christ say. So there wasn't verses and chapters and that stuff. And so you've got all this beatitudes, all this love your enemies, all this, you know, stop judging others, all running into each other. This is just like this radical glop of just challenging words. Stop judging others and you will not be judged. You know, stop criticizing others. You know, it's like, how do I do that? But I want to ask you, you know, is unforgiveness hurting you? You know? Maybe you haven't forgiven somebody and there's a hate for somebody and, and people say off, what is it, like hate and resentment is, is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You know? Or have you ever had that where someone felt that way about you and was unforgiving of you and you had to live with that? Unforgiveness is, is this two-way street that is, really deteriorates your life and your peace and people's other, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a hard way to live. And that's one of the things is that Jesus was so repetitive about and compassionate, and passionate about was this idea is that we forgive one another and that we stop, and that means stop judging one another. And we don't, we don't act like the religious leaders of the time. We don't draw lines in the sand that says us and them anymore. You know, we try to live in a different world. We try to create a different environment where we make room for our enemies. So when it says press down, shaking together, making room more and more, running over, you know, it might mean even relationships. Get ready to have more people in your life if you're living in an area where you're not judging people all the time. It's hard for me not to judge. When I, certain religious people come up to me and I know they don't agree with me, and they think I'm a heretic, you know. One, I'm judging what they think of me. But also, I start to judge them unwilling. I mean, I'm, un- I'm not even wanting to judge them, but I'm going like, oh, they think this, they think that, and they think that. Oh, here they come. You know, and it's not a positive thing. But I'm just guessing. I just have a... Uh, a story that I tell myself on the inside of my head that I'm just going to go with this. This is what we're going to go with because this is how it goes. You know, this is what I've learned before. But here I am being called not to judge. Here I am teaching us not to judge. And I'm falling into this trap so much easier with other Christians than even with non-Christians. And if you're a politician, I mean, forget about it. I can't even, I should rip this page out of the Bible. You know, when when my when my people were in office, I used to say, "Pray for your president," you know, and shake everybody up. Especially when I was doing more conservative events ten years ago, and uh, I was a fan of Bill Clinton, and people didn't like that. And I would say, "Pray for your president," and they go, "Oh," you know. And now, like I want, I'm like, pray. 
oh yes, pray for the guy in the White House <laughs> who has a job being president. Some people call him what fifty? What is he? The fifty? Was it? I thought it was the fifty-fourth. Look at this, how bad we are. But the, is it fifty-four? People go like, oh, I'm going to talk about fifty-four. Like they won't. We don't even say the name. So I'm going to try real hard to say, pray for President Donald Trump. Ugh. But that's, if this is true, that's what I'm supposed to do. 45th. Wow. 45th, everybody. We don't, don't send any emails or texts yet. We got it right. Um, now, my my father would have exactly the opposite problem with that, which is weird. And there comes a whole nother bag of forgiveness and loving and not demanding your own way. You know, so it's, it's strange to me how close this is, Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. It just kind of puts action to that. Because if you're going to do those things, you're going to love your enemies. You know? Do you think you deserve credit for merely loving people who love you? Even sinners do that, or Gentiles, which is most of us in this room, do that. Do good to only those who do good to you? Why is that so wonderful? That's the challenge. Man, that's tough. But I have to remember, Jesus was asking this of people who were in occupied territory, people who were being... Pillaged. Is resentment and jealousy or other types of of unforgiveness? Do they steal your joy? Yeah, that's something to think about too. Wanting what the other person has. And then you realize, you know, stealing you, it's, it's for me, it steals, often it steals learning and growing for me when I realize I have resentment towards someone, you know, especially someone who might be in the same line of work that I'm in, you know, that I go, oh, and usually it's because I want their career, <laughs> you know, and then I get in that compare game and it, t- it goes downward spiral and it's not any good. So that's why we're called to live in a life of grace and forgiveness. So not only are we, unfor- we have to deal with unforgiving hurts, but we also have to deal with our own jealousy, coveting, <laughs> our own resentments, you know, because that will steal your peace and it'll play those tapes in your head, just like those old religious tapes. And it'll just, it doesn't lead to us anywhere positive. So you think, are we done with this tough? This is the first time I've ever read it in such a tough way for myself. You should see like the, the notes I have written down from years ago. Oh, this is great. Compassion. Fantastic. You know, now I'm going like, oh, if I really want to practice this, this is going to be tough. Especially with social media nowadays. Because as soon as I think that, you know, everybody's inclusive, 
everybody welcomes my LGBTQ brothers and sisters. You know, you go online and go, oh, there's still a large part of the church that's very hateful and very hurtful to people I love and care about. And I wish they would just go away. You know? But instead, maybe the thing is is to love and pray for them, and maybe I wish they would repent. Maybe I would, because they wish I would repent. They tell me, I get, I got a Facebook message the other day telling me how sad it was that I had turned away from the true message of God and, you know, that it was just sad and pathetic and they were hoping that I would return to the fold. Yeah, I get lovely. I got this couple letters here just recently that were just from the messenger of God. Man, telling me to get my stuff together or God was going to kill me and be mean to my family. Was, you know. But if God loves his enemies, then I guess I'm safe then. Because if this is how the Father com- must be compassionate as your Father is compassionate, if God forgives those and loans to those who doesn't pay him back, maybe I'm in a good, or God back, I don't like to use pronouns for God, but it's tough when you're reading a paraphrased Bible not to have pronouns. Um, or the Bible in general, because it was a very male-dominated society. So it goes on to say, then Jesus gave the following illustration. What good is it for one blind person to lead another? The first one will fall into the ditch and pull the other one down also. A student is not greater than the teacher, but the student who works hard will become like the teacher. But who is Jesus talking to when he says this? He's talking to religious leaders because Jesus often would call them blind guides. He'd say, you know, you 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 strain water to to you know get out a gnat, but you end up swallowing a camel. <laughs> now that's a strange saying, but he was saying, you know, you, you your legalism picks apart people, but you end up being hateful. You end up being separatist. You end up being elitists, and that's what was happening to this faith. And what Jesus was doing was this radical transformation of of Judaism, of his own faith. He was coming in and radically changing it as a rabbi and seeing things from a different way, which was allowed because that was what how churches met or synagogue. When you met in synagogue, you challenged things and you looked at the book in different ways. And Jesus is really looking at this in such a radical way. But Jesus warns against following the religious leaders because you'll fall into a ditch. Why? Because they say it's okay to hate your enemies. It's okay to have eye for eye, tooth for tooth. And Jesus is saying, no, it's not. It's not as easy as, you know, if you're poor, God curses you, and if you're rich, God blesses you. It's not that anymore. That's just not it, because everybody suffers. You know, everybody, there's sun and rain. And I'm going to end it just with this because we could just go on forever and ever and just get crazy. But And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye? We're at 4641. When you have a log in your own, how can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log from your own eye 
and then perhaps you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Work on yourself first. It's something that we have to do to get... It's, it's so easy to judge others and tell them what they need to do and how they get themselves together, but we can't realize that our own judgments have created the plank in our eye, the, what does it call it here, the beam, you know, or the log. You know, it's... it's, it's our judgments have created something else inside of us. So how we treat others, how we uh, assess others is also to be looked at differently. You know, this is stuff that's easy to take for granted. But if you want it to, if you know, if we want to follow Christ, if we like this idea of Christianity, and we think it's a religion that we want to subscribe to, then these are things to think about. Just a real quick over, overview. You know, Jesus comes in and turns things on its heads and says, most, you know, God blesses you who are poor. The kingdom of God is given to you. God blesses you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. God blesses you who weep now, for the time will come when you laugh with joy. So what he's saying, what most people who thought would be cursed by God, he's saying we're blessed. And then he goes on further to say those who uh, rich sorrow waits. So those who are usually signs of God's blessings were going to suffer as well because there's universal suffering. First shall be last, last shall be first. Um, then this whole long list of how to love our enemies. And not just to love, you know, not to love them just from afar, but to love them close. Now, of course, there's people that we have to love from afar because there's just too much destruction in the relationships. But we should pray that there are other people coming to life who can love them in this way. Love them a close. So, goes on to talk, tell us not to condemn others and to forgive them. And then it goes on to say, you know, focus on what you're doing. Work on yourself first. You know, these are, it's easy to, to judge others and not see our own sin. It's easy to, to be an elitist and not realize it. And realize that that's the big thing that Jesus didn't want us to do was live a life of unforgiveness, live a life that was exclusive, but wanted to, you know, be inclusive, wanted us to live a life of forgiving, a life of hope, a life that was an example to all people of what forgiveness and grace and love really looked like. That was what was going to change people. Now, what did it do with Jesus? Jesus got crucified, Gandhi got killed, Martin Luther King got killed, and so on and so forth. We could go on and on. Um, that's what happens when you love enemies and when you love other people's enemies. You don't always win. But, uh, but you ultimately, it says here, you ultimately win when you, when you do what, what you're, we're called to do. So, 
yeah, that's what I've got for you today. And to me, it's challenging and super heavy um, because I don't know how well I can do this, but I want to do it. I want to continue to try to love more and be more inclusive of people and hope that love is capable of turning an enemy into a friend. I mean, that's what Martin Luther King Jr. said, that love was the only force capable of turning an enemy into a friend. And I want to believe that. And I want that to be my goal, is to love. And I hope that's what you feel when you come here, and I hope it's what you feel challenged to do when you come here. And I hope that this is something that you can look at over the next few weeks of your life and see where it fits. All right. I'm going to pray. Lord, I thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Uh, this is challenging stuff. Uh, help us to accept that we are accepted. Help us to accept that our enemies are well-loved and accepted as well and, and, and how, to, uh, how to maneuver that, how, how to maneuver in that type of world where we're called to such radical inclusion and change. Be with us. Amen.